When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sports Day, live from the Toolkit Depot Studios at Optus Stadium. For Kia, the seven-seat Kia Sorento large SUV. Welcome to Sports Day on this Wednesday and there's plenty of live sport happening and we'll keep you right up to date broadcasting live from the Toolkit Depot studio on 657 SEN and also through our friends in Bunbury in the southwest on Spirit 621am. We're in the gold fields at SEN 1611 on DAB Plus Radio at SEN Peel and on the SENWA app. No matter how you're listening, thanks for joining us on the program. Thanks to Hayes and Mardo and Jimmy with the run home between three and five. Interesting uh, when they try to make comparisons between Tom Brady and LeBron James. Uh, that was interesting com- conversation. Take it or leave it. It happens just before five o'clock every day. And Jimmy was torn, but I could see he was leaning towards LeBron after having, of course, that experience in the United States of America up until just, what, last week, where he saw four NBA games. And I believe he didn't pay for any of them. But anyway, that's another story. OK, you can join us on the temperate bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. Or give us a call at 1312 We're here for Kia, the all-electric Kia EV6 GT supercar. Uh, the Wild Thing is doing it beautifully. Uh, the Trogs brought out a song in the 1960s, for those people that will remember, called The Wild Thing. And uh, he has uh, certainly done that. Caleb Jewell was out, caught by Berendorf off Morris for eight. And all the publicity leading into the match was about Captain Grumpy. You know, Matthew Wade, he had that confrontation uh, the other night. Well, he didn't last that long because The Wild Thing got him for a third ball duck caught behind by wicketkeeper Josh Inglis. So Ben McDermott is not out six at the moment. Zach Crawley not out four. And uh, the Hurricanes, after winning the bat flip and deciding to have that first use of the wicket, are two for 27 in the fifth over. There's the track. That's the Waltham. They should use that as Lance Morris's signature tune. Very good. Very, very good. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go to the tennis. Well done, Lee, who's just unbelievable when it comes to production, let me tell you. Let's have a look at the tennis and it's all very interesting at the moment a couple of Australians uh, in action firstly in the women let's just check the scores there because uh, there are a couple of big matches currently on court uh, Emma Redicanu uh, is taking on uh, Coco Goff and they're in the very first set in fact Goff has just taken the first set so Coco Goff has taken the first set against Emma Redicanu and they're now into the first game of the second set while in the men as we said all eyes on Jason Kubler at the moment lost the first set to Kachinikov 
and has taken the second set. So Kachnikov took the first 6-4, and Kubler initially was broken early in that second set before fighting back to uh, take it by seven games to five. And now it's on serve in the third uh, with uh, Kachinokov serving at 2-3 and at 30-love. Uh, he's ranked at the moment, uh, the Russian, uh, at number 20 on the ATP rankings and Kluber Kubler is at 94. Of course, we're all looking forward to the big one tonight. Following this, we've got Kokonakis and Fognini actually uh, playing at this stage, the volatile Italian. And it is uh, two sets to love, and it's been interrupted because it was played on one of the outside courts because of rain. Kokonakis took the first set 6-1 and took the second 6-2, and he was leading 4-2 before uh, it had to be halted due to the weather conditions. And Milman and Medvedev are currently on court, and they're playing the first set. And Medvedev has an early break against the Queenslander. He leads by three games to two. And still to come, we've got uh, the interesting battle between Stefanos Tsitsipas, and he's taking on the, the young Aussie, who uh, a lot of people are, are talking about at the moment. Could be a real surprise packet in the tournament, Hijikata. So uh, we look forward to getting a preview to that match. That follows the match currently on centre court there at Rod Lave Arena from uh, Val Febo, who's going to join us in just a little while. OK, let's have a look at some other news uh, that's going around uh, the... Uh, traps today and a bit coming out of the AFLW and of course all the sports update is brought to you by tyre power buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres at tyre power and Daisy Pierce 55 AFLW games part of the Melbourne side that won the AFLW premiership uh, last season has decided to retire her days are over and I was reading somewhere where they think, and they were doing a poll in Melbourne. It might have been the Herald newspaper. Should there be a statue, a bronze statue of Daisy Pierce outside, outside the MCG? Anyway, let's have a uh, listen to what Daisy Pierce had to say today. I didn't want to be an influencer. You know, floating around the footy club, content with where I'm at and going off into the sunset, enjoying my footy. Whilst I could have done that, I don't think I could have quite met my, my own personal standard of chasing. And I think um, this is a group that's capable of long-term success. And I, I think it's going to require 30 players that are hungry and chasing. And I couldn't convince myself that I was going to be that. So it was a bit of that. I think there was a bit of an assumption that it was win it and I'm done or lose it and I might have to consider going again. But in fact, um, the satisfaction of last season and the enjoyment and the, the closeness of the bonds that we've now formed, um, it actually made it a bit more confusing and harder to step away. So it's, it's probably been one of the, the harder decisions that I've ever had to make. Um, but now that I'm here and I've been able to say it out loud to, to Mick and a few of my teammates, um, yeah, I feel like it's the right decision. 
So there you go. Great career, Daisy Pierce. At one stage, revered as possibly, together with Erin Phillips, the best two players in the AFLW competition. Daisy has decided to retire after 55 AFLW games. Now, of course, a mother, but also very prominent in the media, as we know, with uh, the Seven Network during the AFL season. And no doubt will be involved in some capacity in the next AFLW season broadcast uh, details as well. All right. And, of course, Val Febo is going to join us uh, in just a moment to talk tennis. And we'll talk about the other big story today with Rafael Nadal out in straight sets uh, to American Mackenzie McDonald. He called a physio during the second set. He really hasn't been the same since pulling out of the Wimbledon semi-finals middle of last year. Injury has certainly plagued the Spanish champion. And we'll talk uh, more about that with Val Febo in just a moment. Uh, on the SMS line, the Tempera Bedshed uh, text machine 0487 736 736. Welcome back, Peter. Looking forward to a great 2023 and to hear you on the airwaves also. P.S. Happy birthday to Scotty Cummings. Yeah, it was his birthday today, and I believe there was a cake and all on the breakfast program with Scotty and Goss this morning. You can catch him from 6 to 8, Tuesday to Friday. That's Roy from Melbourne. Good on you, Roy. Good to see that you're back, mate, after the festive season and the holiday uh, break. All right, the other story today uh, has been, as we mentioned, with Rafael Nadal going out, but uh, as we also have touched on, a lot of people wouldn't know about the American Mackenzie McDonald. So as we go to the break, have a listen to the American after you beat Nadal 6-4-6-4-7-5 on probably his biggest win in his career. And after the break, after you hear from Mackenzie McDonald, we'll dissect what has been an interesting day and will be an interesting night at the Australian Open with Val Febo. You're listening to Sports Day. Here's Mackenzie McDonald. Yeah, thank you. with how I started that match. I thought I was playing really well, serving great, returning well too. So I was really taking it to him. Uh, hate that for him in the third set there. It was uh, actually pretty tough to stay mentally engaged a little bit there, but I found a way to just pull it out, so I'm happy. What was going through your head? Because it's very hard uh, just to play the ball and not to play the man. I mean, he's a legend of our sport. You're on the cusp of a great win, yeah. but he won't go away. And he was actually playing some pretty adventurous tennis. So what was going through your head? Yeah, I mean, he's an incredible champion, you know. I mean, he's just, uh, he's never going to give up regardless of the situation. So even closing it out against a top guy like that is always tough. Um, you know, I was trying to stay so focused on what I was doing and, you know, he kind of got me out of the rhythm with that. Um, but, you know, I'm happy I kind of just kept focusing on myself in the end and got through. It's one thing to have a plan. It's another thing to execute. And I saw you reading some notes. What was the plan coming out against Rafa? How do you break down that game? Yeah, um, you know, I think I got the guns to do it. You know, I was blasting the ball, hitting really flat. Uh, you know, last time I played him was at Shaw Trier, and he, he kicked my butt. So, you know, on, on clay court, it's tough to hit through. But here, I like my chances on hard. I really want to take it to him on a hard court. I'm happy I got that opportunity and, uh, and, and got away with it. Your next opponent, uh, possibly Nishioka from Japan. He's playing a young Czech qualifier. Any thoughts on those two? I mean, you've been to the fourth round a couple of times of these slams, but this is a big opportunity. You take Rafa's draw. Yeah, I uh, just got to keep focusing on myself, keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, definitely need some revenge on Nishioka. He's got me a couple of times, but uh, I'll, I'll do my homework, get some rest, uh, and I'll be ready. Mate, amazing match. Well done. Keep it rolling. Thank you. Sports Day for Kia. The seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer.
Yes, welcome back to Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. Just before we talk tennis, another wicket at the cricket at Optus Stadium. Ben McDermott has gone. Andrew Ty has got him, caught by Bancroft. He's one of the uh, very, very good fielders, let me tell you, in the BBL. He covers a bit of ground, Bancroft. Takes some good catches as well so far in this campaign. Ben McDermott was a danger man. He's out for seven. So they're repeating the uh, three men to go. Jewel for eight. McDermott for seven. And Matthew Wade, a three-ball duck. Uh, he was out, caught by Inglis behind the stumps with the bowling of Morris for no score. Zach Crawley's not out 16. Tim David, the boy from Claremont. Netherlands is not out on seven. He's a danger player. And then Darcy Short will follow another West Australian. So uh, a couple of West Aussies there. Looking at the bowling, Lance Morris, three overs, two for 16. And the other wicket taker, Andrew Ty, one over, one for seven. Three for 48 in the eighth over are the Hobart Hurricanes. Three for 48 in the eighth over. All right, let's have a look at tennis. It's all happening. Let me tell you, the all-electric Kia EV6 GT Supercar. Bring you our tennis update. A pinnacle of engineering Kia, the EV6 GT, the most powerful Kia ever crafted. And uh, he was due as good last night, Val Febo. We invite him back again, of course, involved in the Breakpoint podcast and part of SEN's First Serve program. Val, thanks for your time. Absolutely no problems, Peter. Anything for you guys over there in WA? <laughs> Firstly, let's talk about uh, Rafael Nadal, the world number two, bowed out today in straight sets. His lovely wife was in tears there in the player's box as her husband bowed out. I'm just wondering whether we've seen the last, last of Rafael Nadal at an Oz Open. He was beaten in straight sets by Mackenzie McDonald. We heard from Mackenzie just before the break, 6-4, It was sorry to see the champion today the way he bowed out he just couldn't uh, he couldn't get uh, the most out of his body could he yeah it was it was honestly quite heartbreaking to see Rafa and, and what he was going through um, he pulled up in the second set with a left hip flexor that's what that's what everybody was kind of alluding to and he looked in such discomfort and I think his family and his box could really tell and the funny thing is his family are all here it's the most he's ever brought over for an Australian campaign in a very long time. So the questions were there a little bit whether this was the end and the last time Rafa would be heading to Melbourne. And then the elongated goodbye at the end, he went right into the middle of the um, into the middle of no man's land on the court, really, in between the service boxes and the baseline, and waved to everybody. And it was it was a little bit bizarre. And I, I think I think you might be right. I think look we, we speculate on athletes as they get older and the speculation will continue around Nadal as to when it will happen like it did for Federer for many years. So who knows what we're going to see with Rafa, but I have a feeling it could be the last time. It was it was honestly horrible to watch. It was Mackenzie McDonald played an amazing match because sometimes when your opponent is injured, you lose concentration and it gives them actually a little bit of a sniff. And we saw that in the 2014 final when Rafa was a little bit injured against Stan Bavrinka. And I think it was something to do with his back or, ab- or abdomen. And Stan kind of lost a bit of concentration. He ended up writing, uh, you know, writing or getting the train back on the rails, won the match. But you've really got to beat these guys. And in tennis, the beautiful thing is there's no scoreboard. You can't tick it down. You have to win that final point. And Mackenzie McDonald was brilliant today. And only the fourth American ever to beat Rafael Nadal at a grand slam, which is unbelievable. The first to do it outside of the US Open. So he stands alone in that stat, which is amazing. So brilliant performance from the American and uh, one that I reckon he'll remember for a very long time. 
Oh, interesting state of the air. Only the fourth American to do so. I think many didn't know that. Thanks for that, Val. A couple of Aussies are on court at the moment. Jason Kubler did very well to come back in that second set. There was a break early in that second set to Kajnikov, but he's, uh, he came back and took it 7-5. But I see that uh, Kajnikov has broken him in the third set and is serving to take uh, the third and a 2-1 lead. But Kubler certainly is putting up a battle. Yeah, he's a star, Jason Kubler. There was a point in his career where his knees were so bad he couldn't play on a hard court. And if you look back, he only played one hard court match. It was an Australian Open qualifying match. Uh, in between 2011 and 2017, he played, I think, uh, 87 events on clay in that time and just couldn't get on a hard court. Now look at what he's doing. He's made the fourth round at Wimbledon last year and the second round here, his first ever main draw singles win at the Australian Open, 13 years after his first attempt, which is quite amazing. And he won the second set and the final game was a 70-shot rally, which was almost the record set by Gilles Simon and Gail Monfils back in 2013. So Jason Kubler, he's up for the fight. Karen Kashinov, a very good player in his own right, has made the, the US Open semifinals uh, last year, beat Nick Kyrgios in the quarters, and a Masters 1000 winner in Paris back in 2018. He's been in the top 10. He's a very good player. Um, the Russian Hemsworth, they call him. He's, uh, very, uh, he's, a, very, uh, he's a bit of a doppelganger <laughs> with, um, with uh, Liam Hemsworth, which is very funny, and he has acknowledged it as well. But, no, he's a very good player, and, um, yeah, it's a great battle for Kubler. But, um, yeah, it's, I, think, I don't think this one is done just yet. Yeah, no, interesting. As I said, he's serving. Uh, Kachanov is uh, serving for the third set. Uh, Johnny Millman, the Queenslander, is taking on Daniel Medvedev. Uh, they are at four games all in the opening set, and that match is on serve. So Johnny Millman hanging in there, certainly in the early stages of that contest. Yeah, oh, geez. It, I, I, I'm a big Daniel Medvedev fan. I love the way he goes about his business, and I love the way he plays. But Johnny Millman, he's just... He's such a battler. He's such a fighter. He's just such a wonderful exponent of tennis in this country. And watching him win against Marc-Andre Husler the other day, his first five-set win in seven years, his body... I spoke to him after, uh, in the press conference as well, and he said that um, that his body's feeling the best that it has in over 12 months, which is great. So if he can, um, if he can push Daniel Medvedev tonight, who knows... Um, yeah, it'd be a great result for the Australian if he can uh, if he can pull it off. It'd be quite unbelievable. Let's talk about the other matches coming up shortly on Rod Laver Arena. Stefanos Tsitsipas of Greece taking on Rinky Hijikata of Australia. And uh, I tell you what, Rinky, be excited. He is one of the big draw cards in tonight's program, taking on, of course, the highly ranked Greek. Yeah, he certainly is. But you know what, Rinky Hijikata has played on uh, on the big courts before. He made his uh, Grand Slam main draw debut at the US Open last year. Guess who he drew in the first round, Peter? Rafa. And he took a set off him. So he's no stranger to the big, the, uh, the big courts. He shines on them. He relishes these opportunities, which is what I love in a tennis player. Someone that wants to fight and wants these high-pressure moments. You saw him after winning against Yannick Huntsman in the opening round from two sets down. Four, four hours and 26 minutes and the passion that was coming out of his body, it was just unbelievable. He was just shaking. He was that happy and that hungry and motivated to keep going. So Jason Ku, oh, sorry, so Rinky Hijikata, um, yeah, if we see him or with that passion and with that fight against Stefano Tsitsipas tonight with the Greek crowd versus the Australian crowd, it's going to be awesome. Rod Laver Arena is going to be rocking.
Yeah, that'd be fantastic. I know weather intervened a lot of matches today. Twofold question here, Val. How's it impact on the schedule going forward? And where is, because certainly Thanasi Kokonakis has done well against Fabio Fignini of Italy. He's taken the opening two sets, and he's on his way to a straight sets win at four games to two in the third when, of course, uh, that match was suspended. So where is it all at at the moment? So remember yesterday when we spoke about that heat delay, Peter? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just screwed over the entire schedule because it rained all day today. Um, so everything is in backlog. There were, Iga Sviontek was through to the third round before 16 women had even hit a ball in their first round, which is quite unbelievable. So, um, yeah, Danasi Kokonakis still waiting to get onto Kia Arena. Uh, he will be on very, very soon because the match that was immediately preceding it between Bianca Andreescu and Cristina Buxa of uh, Spain has concluded and the Spaniard has gotten the job done over the 2019 US Open champs. So Fabio Fonini and Danasi Kokonakis will be out very, very shortly. Should have been done earlier today. Um, but Danasi leading 6-1, 6-2, 4-2 and 15-40 on Fabio Fonini's serve. Fonini just looked disinterested yesterday, pretty much. He was thinking about the plane ride home and getting back to Italy. I reckon as soon as that heat delay hit, I reckon Fabio was like, you know what, I'm going home. It's a very on-brand thing for him to do. When he's in the mood, he can beat absolutely anybody on his day. He's a Masters 1000 champion. He's been inside the top 10. He's a very good player, but he's got to be in the mood. And, uh, yeah, a very on-brand Fabio Fanini performance yesterday. Yeah, very erratic and mentally not tough enough, certainly, in this tournament. And as I let you go, uh, Coco Golf looks like she's on her way to the next round. She looks like she's going to go have the better of Emma Raducanu. Uh, she took the first set, Coco Golf, and she's leading 4-2 with a break in the second. So, uh, And she's one of the fancies, isn't she? Yeah, she is. She's um, a Grand Slam finalist, made it last year at the French Open. She's a very good player. Um, we know that. She's... Um, She's, yeah, she's done so much at such a young age. She's only 18 years old, which is just, it's, it's quite staggering that she's only 18 years of age. And um, I, I love watching her play. I love her tenacity. And, um, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what she can do because the quarterfinal prospect is her versus Igis Fiontek. Igis looking good. Coco's looking good. If that's the match that we get, get the popcorn out because it's going to be a, a tantalising <laughs> prospect. So, good yeah, on you, mate. really I, exciting. I, she's done. Yeah, and let's hope the weather forecast going forward is a lot better than it's been the last couple of days. But uh, we thank you for your time, Val. Always very, very uh, informative. And enjoy tonight's session. Certainly will. You guys too. Have a good one. Good on you. Val Febo there from the Breakpoint podcast and also part of the SEN First Serve program as well. Before we take a break, there has been another wicket at the cricket. Uh, Tim David is out, caught by Andrew Ty. Jason Berenoff getting into the wickets. He was out for 20. So uh, Darcy Short has come to the crease. Uh, Fahima Ashraf is also there. And we're looking at the scoreline now in the 10th over. So we're heading towards the halfway point. The Hurricanes who beat, as we know, the Scorchers. The Scorchers suffered their first defeat at Bell Reeve earlier in the uh, tournament. Well, they might be able to turn it around here at home, but uh, still plenty of cricket to be played. Five for 66 in the 10th over. Berendorf has one for 19, bowling his third over 
Lance, the wild thing, Morris, has two for 16 off three overs. Ashton Agar has picked up a wicket, uh, one for 17 off two overs. And Andrew Ty has bowled the one over and has one for seven. So uh, Ashton Agar picking up Zach Crawley, who was also dismissed uh, just prior to Tim David for 19. We'll take a break, come back with more in a moment. We're going to focus it a bit on the glory of the real grudge match coming up on Saturday night. This is a real grudge match. Melbourne Victory, who have got a number of ex-Glory players in their squad, plus an ex-coach, of course, Tony Popovich, taking on the Glory side that are doing okay, unbeaten at Macedonia Park this season. And they haven't lost in their last three games since the return from that long period of away games. We'll speak to... uh, uh, an assistant coach in Chris Coyne, the former England uh, soccer professional, on the other side of the break here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia. The seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. updating the Big Bash match uh, at Optus Stadium. Darcy Short four not out. Ashraf is three not out. After 11 overs the Hurricanes who won the bat flip and decided to have first use of uh, the wicket at Optus Stadium. A five for 71. We'll keep an eye on that between now and the end of the program here on Sports Day. All thanks to Kia with Peter Vlahos here on this Wednesday. Joining us now is Chris Coyne, uh, Senior Assistant Coach at the Perth Glory to Ruben Zadkovic. Uh, what is going to be a pretty big night come Saturday night. It's almost like uh, some of the former Perth Glory players are returning, a former coach is returning. Melbourne Victory are sitting at the bottom of the A-League table. Who would have thought in their wildest dreams that would have happened? The Glory are certainly playing very well at home. Three games in eight days for two wins and a draw and a come-from-behind draw against Sydney FC last Saturday. Things are looking on the up for the Perth Glory. Let's find out the reasons why. Chris Coyne joins us. Hello, Chris. How are you? Good evening, Peter. How are you, mate? You must be looking forward to Saturday night. This is they term matches blockbuster, and it's normally between teams that finish maybe one and two on the table. These two sides are sitting, I think, what ninth and twelfth, and it is a blockbuster for a lot of other reasons. Yeah, it certainly is, mate. I think uh, the way that you've just pumped it up there, and the, and the chairman gave it a blast uh, the other week as well. So. Listen, it, it's you know for us it's it's another game. Um, we respect Melbourne Victory and Tony Popovich and his team. You know with the utmost respect, they're a, a massive club and they've got a great history. But do you know what? At the end of the day, they've got to come to Macedonia Park and you know we're going to prepare the boys uh, to go out there and and do all our, our fans and, and our members um, proud because I think we're on a good run at the moment and they deserve that. It's interesting. I was talking to someone yesterday who certainly follows a lot of sport and he actually said something to me that I thought he's probably right in what he says. He reckons that football as we know it, soccer to many people in Australia, is probably the cruelest game. Because I said, why did you say that? And you've played and you can understand. He says, you could have total control of the game and not score. Then you make... Uh, well, you could have total control of the game and not score, hit crossbars, great saves by the keepers, miss penalties, and then you make one mistake at the back and you lose. And he says that's why it's cruel. Yeah. And of course, with the penalty and with the penalty shootout, that's also penalty cruel. Shootout, yeah. 
I was just so is, it, is, it the, is it the cruelest game, do you think? In my opinion, cricket's the cruelest game. Because I just heard you reading the, reading the Scorchers score out before. So, you know, every ball's an opportunity to get you out and you don't get another opportunity that game. So I think, for me, cricket's the cruelest game. But football is definitely the cruelest mistress. Um, you know, you can play so well some games and, and you can be on the, on the back end of a 94th minute loss. Uh, Newcastle this year in, in round two, you know, they were down to 10 men. We were all over them. And then they counter-attacked and, and scored that goal. And that was one of my lowest moments in football. Um, you know, we were really deflated. I was deflated after that game. So the highs are, the highs are really high and, and you enjoy them so much. But um, it, it, it certainly got a way of bringing you back down to earth. And I think that's why I've got such a passion for the game. You know, it's, it's, you've got to keep very steady and very even um, in terms of those highs. But, yeah, it, it definitely hurts you when, you know, there's those opportunities that you miss. Um, and that probably sums us up earlier on in the year, Pete. I thought we were good at, you know, through a lot, lot of periods during the year. Um, and because we, we didn't defend, you know, certain situations, well, we, we got hurt for it. So I definitely agree with you on that. It, it, the game's got a real opportunity to kick you when, you, when you're down. But at the moment, the boys are in, in good spirits. Um, everyone's fit and, and, and ready to go. So we're just looking forward to this game this weekend after... Um, what I thought was a really, really resilient performance against Sydney last weekend. It was, uh, but I must admit, you know, watching the match there last Saturday night, you couldn't get your foot on the ball in the opening 10 minutes. Sydney just had total control and really, for the most part, had control in the first 45, and they led by two goals to nil. And I remember saying, all it needs is an early goal in the second 45 by the glory, and it's game on. And that's exactly what happened. So what was said at halftime, because to be fair, you're second to the ball in the first half. Yeah, mate, to be fair, I had, a, I had a bit of a go at the boys in the warm-up and it, uh, I could see it. Having played, you know, in the UK, in Europe, you play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and it's sort of play, recover, play, recover, play, recover. And, and the Australian boys aren't used to it. Um, and I could see in the warm-up, that was the fourth game they'd played in 12 days. Um, the, the boys were knackered. And then speaking to the boys afterwards, you know, they sort of said, oh, I felt so much better in the second half, got all the crap out my legs and... Um, they, they felt a lot better physically in the second half. But, I mean, we were poor. We were poor in the first half. You know, we're not going to hide behind that. We're, we're honest. Um, you know, we're not, we're not going to say that we're good. We could have been 4-2 four, four, down, I think, in the first half. But um, at half time, you know, we, asked, we actually said to Daryl Lackman, you know, just get us to half time. You know, we'll fix it for you. And um, sure enough, Ruben came in and gave the boys a bit of a, a stern... Uh, I wouldn't say it was. It wasn't a telling off, but it was just to you know pull your heads in. Let's. This is what we need to do, and this is how you're going to fix it. And getting that goal straight after half time, I thought there was only one winner in the second half once we once we got that goal. So, yes, you know Cameron Cook made some, a, a couple of good saves off deflections and whatnot. But um, I thought we were in the ascendancy in that second half, and I thought you know we were proud of the boys. The fact that they rolled their sleeves up and they dug in, um, they could have gone the other way at two nil. Uh, they choose to roll their sleeves up and have a crack for each other, and, and we were really proud of them for, for that reason. You mentioned Cameron Cook there, Chris. Um, he's played the last three games, and Liam Reddy has been the substitute goalkeeper. Is he now your number one going forward? Um, listen, at the end of the day, all three goalkeepers, we've, you know, we've got Pierce Clark there as well that's vying for a position. So um, Cameron Cook got his opportunity, um, and he's done well. So you know they're all they're all number ones. They're all goalkeepers. So 
we don't put that stigma on any player or put that um, you're a number one on, on anyone. You're not a number nine. So even when Adam Taggart comes in, you know, if Adam's not doing the job and, and whatnot, you know, he's not he's not guaranteed a spot either. We we want to breed that competition for places. And Cameron Cook's come in, um, grabbed an opportunity, kept a clean sheet, and I thought he was excellent again um, on Saturday night. So, you know, there's no number ones. There's just people vying for positions, which I think is a, a healthy environment. Adam Taggart was due to play last Saturday night. That was when uh, they were gearing him up in relation to his preparation. Got a bit of a setback through injury. So where's he at at the moment? And uh, did he train this week? And is he far away? No, Adam was really close last week, Pete, to be honest with you. Like, he um, he pushed himself a little bit too hard. He was pushing really hard to get back in. He's, he's desperate to play, play, you know, play games, which is, which is a great sign. But... Um, he just pushed a little bit hard on, on Monday in, in a shooting session and, and just felt a bit of a twinge in his thigh. So, fingers crossed. Um, obviously, we've got training tomorrow. Um, he'll be involved in that. Um, and if he can get through the session, then we're, then, you know, we're really hopeful that he'll be ready for this weekend. But, um, you know, we've, we've got some attacking options there, there that are doing well. David Williams and Brian Williams and, and Keegan Yellowfitch, etc. So... You know, if he's in the fray, um, but we're also not going to rush him back because we're mindful that we're at the halfway point of the season at this point. Um, so to get him in there too early and, and then he breaks down over a slight, you know, thigh strain or a thigh tightness, um, it's not worth losing him for five or six weeks for, for one game. I'll tell you who I've enjoyed really watching so far this season, and he's been like a breath of fresh air. His skill is brilliant, particularly with the ball close to his feet, is the Tunisian Salim Khalifi, and I had a bit of a chat to him last week, and he was hoping, of course, he signed a two-year extension, and he settled in very nicely here at Perth, Western Australia. He's enjoying himself here. We're enjoying his football. Is he available this week? Yeah, again, Pete, like, he's very, very close, so... Um, I'm, I'm hoping, I, I hope he, you know, he's available this weekend because, do you know what, it's a privilege to watch him. Like, he, he's a beautiful footballer, isn't he? Um, oh, great. You know, he, he's just fantastic to watch. You know, on the ball, he's energetic. He's, I compare him to Willie Pike, mate. I could see him riding, riding <laughs> one in that. But, um, he's, um, he's just a technically gifted footballer that understands the game and he's just got that real... Um, centre of gravity where he can just go past people and that's what that's what we want to see as, as football fanatics and, and, and fans of the game so he, he's touch and go I think for the weekend but um, he's more more touch than go so hopefully he's, he's in the squad this week and if he can get through tomorrow on Friday we'd be more than happy to have him in the squad I can promise you that much I've spoken to Ruben a few times on this program. Uh, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He, he played with passion as a footballer and he certainly coaches with passion. Uh, you enjoying the partnership? 100%. 100%. It's, it's quite funny, Pete, because um, the first time I met Ruben, other than playing against him, was in a Socceroos camp. And um, we are in Dubai and he wasn't tucking around. He was right back at the time. I was centre-back and I've just gone for Ruben and sort of said, you know, get around here, you know, do your job, blah, blah, blah. And he was just going, nah, 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 you're wrong, I'm right. And then in the end, Tim Verbeek had to step in. And we literally just walked at each other. We were, we were probably going to come to blows over it. And um, Tim Verbeek stepped in and goes, well, what are you saying? 
to Reuben and Reuben goes, oh, he's telling me to do this. I want to go and score goals. And he said, what are you saying? I said, well, I'm the last defender and there's a player up here. You're always plus one, blah, blah, blah. Reuben's like, nah, I'm right. You're wrong and blah, blah, blah. But we almost came to 50 cups over it. And he is passionate. He's always been passionate. And I enjoy working with someone as passionate as he is. But what people don't see behind that passion and that... um, that lust or, or zest for the game that he's got. Like, he, he's a hyper-intelligent coach, Pete. Um, he's very good at what he does. Uh, he seems the game well. Look at what he done last last Saturday at halftime. Mm. So mm. you can misinterpret that passion and that um, um, heart-in-your-sleeve mentality for someone that just is aggressive, but he, he's not. He's a deep thinker of the game, and... I enjoy working with him because I learn every day and, you know, I'm 44 years old now and, and been around the game a long time and I'm still learning and, you know, I've learned a lot, a lot off Ruben. So, you know, we've got a good relationship. I'm, I'm probably the one that's a bit calmer sometimes. Um, but, uh, you know, he's doing a good job. You know, we've got a, a good squad. We're building a good squad. Uh, he's got a knife for talent, like you can see with Keegan Jelicic and, and whatnot. And, and we're hoping, you know, that... We've been speaking to Andy Keogh and um, Tony Sage this week. You know, we're hoping to get a couple in um, to boost the squad because, you know, we are rebuilding and, and we're trying to get the right bodies in there. But in terms of Ruben's capabilities and, and what he's bringing to the team, like he's a fantastic gaffer and he's he's a pleasure to work with. But um, he does test you, like I said, because, you know, <laughs> I'm quite a placid man and, you know, for me to go to come to blows on the pitch with someone who's, who's unlike me, but... Um, you know, I, I respect that. I love the fact that he challenges people and gets the best out of Yeah. No, nice story. Thanks for sharing it with us. Good on you there, Chris. Thanks for that. I know the chairman's function this Saturday night is sold out, hence the excitement uh, and the interest in this match between the victory and the Perth glory. Kickoff 7.30 Saturday night. Thanks for spending a bit of time with us tonight. Appreciate it. No, my pleasure, Pete. Always great to speak to you, mate. Good on you. Chris Coyne there, the assistant of Ruben Zadkovic uh, at the Perth Glory. Great to have a chat to him. We'll take a break. We'll update the BBL match for you and what's happening in the tennis after the break here on Sports Day with Peter Vlahos. Sports Day for Kia. The seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos on the Wednesday night. Just updating the Australian Open tennis. And we're going there straight after uh, Sports Day tonight at 6 o'clock uh, here on the network. And you can pick up, no doubt, the broadcast the Stefanos Tsitsipas match against... Uh, uh, Hijikata of Australia should be an absolute beauty. Looking forward to that. But just updating what's happening at the moment. Uh, John Millman has lost the first set 7-5 to Daniel Medvedev. Uh, and it is now one game to love on serve in the second set. So just falling short there, the Queenslander. And in the other match, uh, Kachanov is probably on his way, you'd think, to a four-set win over Jason Kubler. Still plenty to... Uh, Water to go under the bridge here. Kubler took the second set. Kachanov uh, took the first and the third and leads 3-2 with a break in the, the fourth set. In fact, it's 40-15. Uh, Kachanov serving to take a 4-2 lead in that match. In the women's section, of course, all interest uh, on that match between Coco Goff 
and also Emma Rodakanu. And at the moment, they're in a tiebreaker in the second set. Coco Golf took the first set, and it's six all in a tiebreaker in the second set. Of course, two of the youngsters at the Australian Open and both given an outside chance of going pretty deep into the tournament. Let's just update what's happening at the cricket, the BBL, and the Scorchers doing pretty well after being sent into the field after the bat flip was won by the Hurrypart Hurricanes and they decided to bat first. And currently, uh, Tom Andrews is not out three. Nathan Ellis not out one. So they're into the bowlers. Seven for 97 after 15 overs. Seven for 97 after 15 overs are the Hobart Hurricanes. The wicket takers, they've been evenly spread, actually. Uh, Jason Berendorf, one for 19. Lance Morris took the first couple, two for 21. He's been bowled out four overs. Ashton Agar, one for 17 off two. Andrew Ty, two for 14 off two. He's still got two overs to bowl. Matthew Kelly. One for 10 off two overs. And Ashton Turner has bowled two overs, none for 15. So apart from Ashton Turner, they certainly have spread it around. Now, today's hot topic, uh, all thanks to our friends at uh, Repco for expert car service. Book in to your local Repco authorised service centre. I'm just wondering what's going to happen with Taron Thomas. He's been charged by police with a count of threatening to distribute an intimate image. It's been referred to the Integrity Unit and uh, certainly the live wire player for the Kangaroos is contracted to the Kangaroos until 2024. So that's going to be certainly a hot topic that only broke sort of mid-afternoon our time today and it will grow, even though it's uh, with the Integrity Unit at the moment. I suppose North Melbourne have got some decisions to make here. Uh, Taron Thomas under investigation after being charged by police with a count of threatening to distribute uh, an intimate image and it's been referred to the Integrity Unit. Uh, let's just update for New Farm Australian through and through what's happening weather-wise tomorrow. Just beautiful weather in Perth and Bunbury at the moment. For tomorrow, we're looking for a top of 33 degrees. It'll be sunny. There is a chance of a thunderstorm in the northern suburbs of the metro area. Those winds will be gusty again, uh, certainly in the morning, 25 to 40 knots, with gusts up to 85 knots possible around the hills. And for Bunbury, uh, it's 19 to 33 for Perth and 16 to 33 for Bunbury. That's all thanks to New Farm's products. Uh, they are formulated with the highest quality right here in Australia. New Farm Australian through and through. And don't forget, uh, the Perth Wildcats season is certainly on track at the moment. Uh, it's a big game against the Sydney Kings coming up. Uh, get behind the Perth Wildcats this season. Head to tickettech.com.au now. And as we mentioned, the next home game is Friday night against the Sydney Kings. Tip off at 6.30. Get your tickets. Let's get a full house to try and cheer the Wildcats to a victory against the top of the table, Sydney Kings. Well, earlier today, the... Uh, West Coast Eagles put up Jeremy McGovern, as we know, one of the important players for the Eagles. Had a mixed season last season through injury and whatnot, but he's looking to certainly rebound. And uh, with a lot of the players, a lot of the senior players, and this is what he said on uh, the expectations of this group and the club heading into 2023.
Look, we haven't really gone too deep into where we think we can get to yet. Um, we've really just been focused on this pre-season. Um, like you said, last year we were, we were in a good position as well and then um, the world come down on us really with the injuries and COVID and stuff. So right now we're just really focused on just knocking this pre-season off, um, staying as healthy and as fit as we can. Um, and then from there, um, who knows? You never know how far you can go. Um, we, we've still got belief um, in the whole group, in the club, um, that we can really push and, and make something of it this year for sure. But um, how far we go, who knows? But um, I think we'll just be continually just trying to focus on just getting this pre-season right, getting everything right before we start worrying about um, finals and premierships and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so there you go, Jeremy McGovern talking about uh, keeping it pretty level-headed because I reckon, who knows what the expectations will be. I reckon the start of the season will determine exactly where the West Coast Eagles go. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Lee. Thanks for joining us here on Sports Day WA, wherever you may be listening around this great state of ours. I look forward to your company between 5 and 6 tomorrow. After the break, we go off to Melbourne for the Australian Open night session. Enjoy the tennis. See you tomorrow at 5.